Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Yes, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes. Sorry about that. My hands are very busy. I just had a whole iced coffee, so uh, my hands are a little fidgety. Fran, what is going on, man? How you doing today? Uh, what up, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm here. It's a beautiful day outside. Have it's you stepped outside yet? Of days. Yeah. It's a little warmer than it was the day before. Yeah. But it is, yeah, I, I'm not going to speak on how, where we are in seasons. I don't yeah. want to say summer's over, but I'm getting happy about how the weather's been the last couple of yes, days. The, the, I see the temperature is dropping by me and you also working outside. I yes. have to pay very close attention to the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it will dictate my attitude for that whole day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how I'm jokey. If I'm jokey, jokey, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. It all depends on where in that 80 to 92 <laughs> yeah. where yeah, we yeah. fall on that. That and the, and the night before I go, I don't know if I'm being in a good mood tomorrow. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be hot. If you wake up <laughs> and it's like 7 in the morning and it's already warm, yes. you know it's gonna, you're in for a rough one. It's going to be a long day. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's been a nice couple of days. Though. Yeah. Other than that. I'm doing great. I'm here. I'm alive. Uh, feeling healthy. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm feeling healthy. I just yeah. started recently toasting my bread and bacon grease Okay. for the last couple of breakfasts. You know, like I make the bacon and then you know how you make a grilled cheese, you put the butter on 
on the on the pan yeah. and then you know the bread. Put, the, put the bread in that yeah. I've substituted that with the grease from the bacon yeah. it is quite delicious but I am concerned for my arteries yeah I would be too um, but you know YOLO man I don't know how long this earth will last anyway yeah. so why should I be following these crazy guidelines I'm just gonna live man, I, I decide, yeah, man. I'm just gonna live my life you know, you know and, and whatever happens happens now if that leads to you know a shitty 50s and 60s yeah. you know it is what it is cause I, don't I don't know if it's worth it I don't know about that, man. Have you ever had bacon well, grease toast? No. Okay, well then don't tell me what it what it is or isn't worth. Okay. Sir. But I think, you know, if you do end up having kids. Sure. I don't think that's worth. It. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the point I, I I'm at a at. point in my life where I need some kind of motivation like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, uh, other than that, I'm doing what I'm doing me. Yeah. As, as the kids, no as the kids yeah. say, yeah, yeah. I'm doing me. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, no, life is good. I'm feeling a lot better. Uh it's been a it's been a a dark couple of weeks in this country, but um, it's a labor. What is this? Memorial Memorial Day? Labor weekend? Day. Labor. It's Labor Day weekend. We yeah. got the day off. Most of us Monday, and you know I'm gonna fire up the grill and mm. just take some take this weekend to be appreciative of life and and stop being so gloomy. Yeah. Um. It yeah. it, it, it uh, the world and and the news and just people's personal accounts of how their life has been going in 2020. It's easy for you to get in a dark hole. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to take this weekend to really just feel good, yeah. you know, play some good music, eat some good food, yeah. laugh with some family, open It'll a bottle of glizzies. wine. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Glizzies. I also get, um, I, I, I when I would get uh, chicken wings, okay. I would usually um, season them myself. Mm -hmm. But now I decided to skip that step and just get them. They make them pre-made at this grocery store I go to like, oh, Parmesan garlic or, uh, parm mm. or marinated like Parmesan garlic, habanero wings. And they you just buy them uncooked. But the marinade part is the nasty part for me, like yeah. rubbing them down and yeah. getting it all into the nooks and crannies of the chicken wing. Now I just come, take them right out of the plastic wrap and use the tongs mm. and put them on the grill straight on. I don't have to do any seasonings. So I'm going to get me a handful of chicken wings, probably some kind of steak type of thing mm. and a couple of glizzies, delicious. maybe some Polish glizzies and uh, just have a good time, man. Open a bottle of wine. You're welcome to come through. Yeah, I'm going to come back, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm doing oh, it. Oh, so you're doing it tomorrow? Yeah, Labor Day. Oh, I'll definitely yeah, will be Labor here. Yeah, come, come through, get you a plate. Oh, sure. Um, so, yeah, that's the plans for the weekend. But let's uh, just kind of, there's some news I wanted to talk about because it's been a lot of um, um, exciting news and uh, motivational news that happened this week. One, I want to clear up a thing. I, I shared something on Instagram that was saying uh, now an ex-cons in California can become firefighters now. I did some research. I don't know how true that is. Okay. I might have been a, a victim of sharing a picture with yeah. words on it before I did my research. Yeah, It looked it looked true, and it's something I've talked about on this podcast yeah. that I don't like, And but it seems like the fight might still be continuing. If anybody has any links to that, I would love to read it just to okay. clear things up. I think that is still a fight that's happening. I think officially in California... If you have two felonies, mm -hmm. you cannot be a firefighter. Okay. Um, and I think there are, there are some people trying to fight that and change that who are, you know, ex-cons or people advocating for ex-cons. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't know if that's officially a thing yet. And mm -hmm. I shared that okay. and that might have been some misinformation. So that's my bad. But on a good note, on a good note um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast um, In the Dark. No. But uh, season two of In the Dark tells the, uh, the story of this man involving this man named Curtis Flowers, okay. who, they, who was in prison and they believed he was innocent. And he spent a lot of time in and out of prison for the same case. Mm. Spent a lot of years in just almost 20, 23 years in and out of prison fighting mm. this case, trying to get back on the streets. The state of Mississippi has officially dropped the charges against Curtis Flowers. So I want to give a round of applause to yeah. him. Uh, you know, um, I'm not really sh I can't remember the name of the, the organization or the people involved. 
aside from the actual podcast, which got the you know the story out there, yeah, that was advocating on his behalf and actually ended up getting him free. But shout out to his lawyers, anybody involved in that situation. That's a beautiful story. I recommend that podcast to anybody. Season two specifically is what this case was about. Yeah. Um. Congratulations to Curtis Flower. I hope I hope you get your restitution. I don't know if that. I don't know if that makes it better. Again, um, I don't know if I have to fight enemy, man. I don't. I don't know. Twenty three years is a long time to be that, to to be innocent in prison and know you're innocent in prison, and f- and to hold on and feel like one of these days. Yeah, I um, get up. I give up on a lot of shit. Simple shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for <laughs> and that, seems that's a ins- hell of a insurmountable fight, man. odds fighting against the state government and all this kind of stuff. But you know, he he hold out. He held yeah, out. Man. He he stayed alive for 23 years in prison in Mississippi. And he's a free man. A I hope fit, he, you know, officially. You know, while yeah. he's out, he get to live the rest of his life. Absolutely, man. Because uh, I always unlike, think, unlike the other guy we talked about, that I think died he like passed two away. years later. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, in the case of Khalif Browder, man, that kid was young. Yeah, he was in jail for something he didn't do. He just didn't have the the financial means to make bond, get out, and fight his case on the streets. So he just had to spend it his entire fight in Rikers Island. Mm. He spent a lot of that time in solitary confinement, which I think is torture to a human being. It it breaks the psyche. It makes people go crazy. And he came out on the streets, a broken man. He got restitution in some kind of way and he ended up committing suicide, you know? Mm. So I hope that that doesn't happen to Curtis flowers, but sometimes you, sometimes you get, you're in prison and that fight that you fight, you might hold out physically but mentally, you've been broken a long time ago, yeah. and there's no coming back from it. You know, when I I did the case of the Fort Fort Heights Four last week, you know, it was, you know, they're out, but one of them has addiction issues. The yeah. other one is a he's, he is an alcoholic. You know, the other one passed away not soon after he got out. You know, and one of them might be doing good, but one out of four is not. Those aren't great statistics. Twenty five percent of the people who were wrongfully convicted of something and then get out, twenty five percent of them do well. If you're taking it based off that case, yeah. You know, one in four is not good, you know, so I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy when people physically hold on, but sometimes you, you, the mind can't hold it, you know, can't hold on. One Another thing I wanted to touch on really quick was uh, a young man who is at the center of the Breonna Taylor case named Jamarcus Glover. He was her ex-boyfriend. He was kind of the whole catalyst for the no-knock warrant and all of these things. Yeah, uh, They had already broken up and she had moved on and she's dating a young man who had a legal firearm who grabbed his legal firearm when he heard somebody kicking his door mm-hmm. and fired on whoever entered his residence. It turned out it was the police, but this was not Jamarcus Glover. This was her new boyfriend. So she had completely moved on from Jamarcus Glover. Jamarcus, the guy they was looking for. The guy they were looking for who was in custody already. According to her attorneys and uh, Glover, Glover's attorneys, apparently, back in July, the, the state's attorney offered him a plea deal where, which would turn his 10-year sentence into parole mm-hmm. if he implicated Breonna Taylor in his criminal activities. Mm, wow. Which would justify, well, yeah, well, she was doing illegal things. Wow. So why, you know, so you, she's not as innocent as the, the world's making her seem, which was the play they were going for. However, Jamarcus stood on his 10 toes. I don't know, I don't know his criminal background. I don't know if he's a good guy or not, yeah. but he took the 10. He did not... You know, and and as I stated last week in the Fort Heights Four case, I did that woman named Paula White. She was up against the wall, mm-hmm. and the police had her dead to rights, and she didn't want to serve time, so so she lied. Yeah, and this guy Jamarcus Glover could have absolutely lied on Breonna Taylor. Yeah, but he recognizes that there's something happening right now. There's a movement happening right now, and I'm not going to disparage this woman's name. I will take a ten year sentence as opposed to implicating this woman 
in a crime that she wasn't involved yeah. in. No criminal record. There's no evidence that she was a part of his criminal enterprise or whatever they're trying to say. And he took the 10. So this is the guy they was looking for. This is the guy they were looking for. So I'm guessing her that ex-boyfriend. Was, yeah, so who that he, was, had no, he had no reason to be loyal to Breonna Taylor. Yeah. So I'm guessing that was like his last like previous address they used. I'm out of I don't really know. Like, I don't know all those mm, details. Okay. I, 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 as far as I've known, it was the wrong. They were, it was the wrong address. Right. You know, I, I don't know if it was he used to live there. That's what I was at. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. But either way, it doesn't matter because he was already in custody. Yeah. So I don't know how you don't. That's crazy. How you get that mixed up. You're, you're, you have a warrant you're serving for somebody you already have in custody. But anyway. Somebody slipped up somewhere. Big time. And that's all people are asking for is to hold those people accountable. And it seems to be like the most impossible thing to do. But, you know, prayers to Breonna Taylor and justice for Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a weird way, I understand this guy's in criminal custody. He might be going to prison. But shout out to Jamarcus Glover, man, because he could have lied. Yeah. He could have lied and say, oh, man, 10 years of parole. Uh, Man, I'm going to take this parole, man. I'm sorry. You know, you know, why to throw 10 years of my life away? But he didn't, you know, so he stood, he stood firm in that and he recognized that that was a fucked up thing and he didn't want to be a part of that. And so he wasn't a part of that. So you got to shout him out in some kind of way. You know, that's all I really have as far as news goes, except for news about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, give it up for ourselves one time. Okay. Uh, the Patreon is officially launched. Yep. Uh, people have been given a lot of positive comments about the Fran on Film podcast uh friend you have know, they yes if you okay. have if you have any things you want to say i don't know uh obviously it's, it's still in the works we will be continuing to put out episodes but what has fran on film been like for you because i understand like you don't have a background in improv what do you mean for me well i just mean like you don't have a background in doing improv like yeah. you're not a stand-up but yeah, you yeah. are you are, have been doing a great job at fran on film and what is it like to get to play around in that new way now which is you know it might be something you've never done before but uh you're getting to step in that ring now and do yeah. some improv comedy I and I can't speak on that. Oh, that's a whole different side. I can't. Oh, you can't, I can't you, even. Fran is not here right nah, now. Yeah. The director Fran is nah, not even. You can't, can't even. You got to be in the mind state. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. You got to have the glasses. Okay, okay so yeah. you don't even you go somewhere else. That's it. When that's happening, you're not even in the room nah. with me. I respect somebody that. else in here, man. It's I, I respect that. Totally different person, and it's noticeable. Yeah, it's noticeable. Yeah, the energy was 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 a little intense the first time around. I because I, I could feel that you weren't here. Yeah, but I got used to. I said, okay, he's 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 gone to another side of himself, and he's giving me what I want. This yeah. is what I need. I need. I need. I need Fran, the director, Jordan Peele esque. I need him here. Yes, and you did that. Yeah, and I hope you continue to do that because people love it, man, and people really enjoyed it. People enjoy the new format of Serial and Serial. I'm you know, and these are all things. That I have fun doing. It's like yeah. I get to hang out with my friend. I get to hang out with my fiance. We get to talk about movies. We get to joke around and have a good time. And I'm glad people are enjoying it. Now, yes. what I will say is, on this platform, mm-hmm. I made an announcement on Instagram, um, and I just want to make so I want to I want to make I want to make I want to make, make, make it perfectly clear to okay. everyone to, to give them the chance to see this. Yeah, if they want, we are currently at 65 patrons. Really? Yes. We got wow. to 50. The goal was 50. We got to 50 the first day we launched it. Amazing. I was very, I mean, again, round of applause for us. Round yeah. of applause to y'all to be, for being supportive. People have been bullying us for a couple of years about yeah. make a Patreon and all this kind of stuff. And what we would always say is we don't feel like we're there yet. Yeah. Like we don't have anything to offer people to give us money to do something. That's right. what I'll, I never want to take somebody's money to for just for nothing. Yeah. Exactly. To just do the podcast, you yeah. know? So now we have, we have about, Two, we have two podcasts on the on the Patreon right now. We have another one that we're working on, you know, and and 
that feels like something that's worth saying, hey, if you want to support that, if you want to get this extra content, yeah, yeah come join our Patreon. But before, I'm not going to just start a podcast and immediately start asking people for money for nothing. But now I feel like we've... Especially off of those first, like, 20. Oh, God, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, I took those off. Those are now beyond, behind the Patreon paywall. Okay. You know, and one of the main reasons that I was, honestly, and, and, and selfishly and arrogantly was, I felt like if people are going to judge us off our early episodes, at least... We were getting a lot of flack about the Michelle Blair um, story. And I won't yeah. I won't get into it. I'm not going to get into it. I've said my piece on that. I'm done talking about it. Yeah. But if you're going to leave us negative reviews based on one episode and all this kind of stuff, you're going to have to pay us money. Man. Pay for that. Yeah, you're, gonna, like, you're not going to you're, you're gonna not going to bash <laughs> us. You're not going to bash us for free. Yeah. So, and, and also, it's also something we're not even proud of, really. Right. You know, like those early episodes, we were getting into our groove. So if you really are a diehard Affirminator and you want to listen to the early episodes of Affirmative Murder, they are available behind the Patreon. Yeah. You know, and and please have access to them. But I don't want people fair weatherly hearing about us coming to watch, listen to one episode, and being like, "These guys suck." Yeah. You know, if you're gonna say we suck, get up to around thirty. Yeah. Where we at least feel we got into some kind of groove. Yeah. I would prefer people start (laughs) with this episode. (laughs) Start today. (laughs) Somebody, (laughs) I talked to somebody yesterday, and they said they just started listening. I was like, "What?" I was like, "Did you?" I was like, "What episode did you listen to?" She was like. The most reason I was like, okay, yeah, cool, that's fine. <laughs> if you say that sucks, I gotta, you know, whatever, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. We, we, you know, we can't do any better than what we're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, we can obviously make little incremental changes, but we are, we have reached our, you know, just pretty close to our ceiling of what we can do. Yeah, we were nowhere near our ceiling at the beginning. It was raw. Yeah. It, it was, you know, all those kind of things. So, um, they are now officially behind the pale. I don't know where we're. I'm gonna take it to, but as of right now, the podcast starts for. Out for the general public, episode 21, Wakanda Forever. I just wanted to pay respects to Chadwick okay. Bozeman. Okay. Wakanda Forever. That's the episode where at the end we talk about Black Panther coming out this weekend. Mm. And then the following episode, we celebrate the movie and Chadwick and the experience yeah. and all of those kind of things. So I wanted to start from there just because of what's going on. I was going through the episodes and pick, tick, picking them and taking them off. And when I got to that one, I was like, nah, I can't I can't take this one and, and put it behind the paywall. I want people to hear this. Yeah. I want people to hear our genuine excitement for when this movie came out. I don't yeah. want to, that should be heard by everyone. Um, but anyway, I want, let's get to the acknowledgements, man. Um, you can sit back for this. Cause it'd be, you yeah, know, what I, do you mean? I, well, I have, I'm going to shout out these patrons. Man. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah All, man, right. All of them. Yeah, man. It's a celebration. Right. Guys. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's a celebration, but you know, so to anybody who it didn't sign up for the Patreon, you can go ahead and skip about five minutes ahead or somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm sure it's in the, I'm sure it's in the, in the credits where you can skip to, but I got to shout these people out, man. This, yeah. These are official affirminators, and I appreciate, and we appreciate every single one of y'all. So let's get it started, right? Mm. Damn. That bass line on this song is funky, man. First up, I want to give a shout out to Tammy E. Okay? Shout out to you, Patreon. You signed up. You're about it. You want us to continue with this, doing, putting out this content. Shout out to you. Crystal Smith, shout out to you. Incredible. Love the name. Crystals. I love crystals. They bring great energy. You are incredible. Uh, Tasha, Tasha Young, I like a name with a TH at the beginning, okay? Because the H is always silent, and I yeah. fuck with that. I fuck with silent letters and names. It's like Django. Okay. Yeah, Tasha, you got Django. I fuck with it, okay? Uh, let's see. Who else we got? Uh, Bree Wee, B-R-I-W-I. Fuck with it. Short. Simple. Very, yeah, simple. Yeah. Not too, too complicated. Sil- yeah, your whole name too syllable. Yeah, Brewee. It's like Kiwi, Brewee. I fuck with that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. Uh, next up, we got John B. Now, is that John B if they don't know fame? Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's, his his uh, Patreon image is just a cat in a blue circle, so I don't okay. know. It could be R&B star John B. I don't know. 
If it is, shout out to you. That'll Love your music. I think I might have. No, I was gonna say I might have been conceived to your music, but I Move. was already alive. Yeah. Uh, what else? We who else we got? Uh, uh we got Deanna. Shout out to you. Okay. Your name almost kind of sounds like my mom's name. Shout out to you, Deanna. You are amazing. Uh, we got Catherine Cos. Shout out to you. Dope. I love a cat. I love a Catherine. What else we got? We got Laura Washington. Shout out to you. Lori Work. No, Lori Works here. Kind of sounds like Hosier. I fuck right. with that. Hello, Lori. We got Chiquita Clark. I fucks with Chiquita. Shout out to you. We got Alana. No bat last name. It looks like Prince. Just Alana. Yeah, just okay, Alana. I, like I fuck name. with that. Just keep it keep it simple. Who else we got on here? We got Princess Troy Harris. I don't know okay. if that's a nickname or if that's your full name, but your yeah. family believed that you had star potential if they named you Princess. Shout right. out to you. Uh, who else we got? We got Blair Stackhouse. Shout out to Blair Stackhouse. She's been around for a while. Fuck with Blair Stackhouse. Sounds like a basketball player. Because Stackhouse? Yeah. Yeah, she might be a descendant of Jerry Maybe. Stackhouse. I don't know. I, we, we don't know who are the illustrious people that listen to this podcast, yeah. Fran, and I would never try to assume. Up next, we got Constance Bailey. Shout out to Constance, Constance. Bailey. I believe I like she bought a name. shirt. Fucks with her. Constance Bailey, shout out to you. Who else we got? Danielle Parker. Fuck with that. You know, very, um, just just a good name. Yeah. Just a good sturdy name. Yeah. You know, it's like good, like like a good New Balance shoe. Yeah. Sturdy, it's no flair. <laughs> Danielle Parker. Shout out to you. What else we got? We got Nikel Busalati. Okay, that okay. sounds Italian. All right, fucking All right. with that. Um, shout out to you. Who else we got on here? We got Mallory Heiser. Shout out to Mallory. Mallory. We, we've had some correspondence oh, on I Instagram. Oh, I have a friend on Instagram. Shout out Boom, to her. Shout out to Mallory. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to her. Uh, who else we got on here? We got Rita Jackson. Okay, Rita. You know, I don't know. She might be a descendant of the Jacksons. You know, there's a lot of Jacksons out there. Possibly. Rebe Jackson. It's a lot of Jacksons out there. She could be a Jackson descendant. Uh, who else we got on here? Aisha Travis. Shout out to Aisha Travis. Yeah, you know, okay. we've had some correspondence with Aisha Travis as well. Leah T. Fucking with Leah T. Shout out to Leah T. The woman who introduced us to Blue Baby, Terry Wolfgram, is officially on Patreon. She's officially wow. a Firminator. Shout out to Ter Terry. The pictures that you send on the Facebook page have given me nightmares, and we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you, Terry Wolfgram. Uh, Antoinette Rogers, man. What is that? I mean, OG. Yeah. I mean, throwback. Yeah. You know, she put the pic She put the That's sticker up in the post office. Yeah. She broke, broke federal laws for yeah. us, bro. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Antoinette, man. Long time Firminator. Our close friend, JJ. Shout out to JJ, Shout my boy. Shout out to JJ, supporting the pod, man. Yep. Joining the Patreon. Okay. Love JJ, always. Um, uh, the podcast, Once Upon a Crime. You know, uh, oh, you know yes, always. Lo and, 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 and love her, okay? Yeah. Love her. And I love her, so I know, and, and, I, and, I, and I reciprocate it. Cool. Because podcasts got to support podcasts. Yeah, man. Who else we got on here? Uh, Kathleen. Shout out to Kathleen, okay? Once again, just one name. Yeah. Um, Aisha. Mizrahi, okay, yeah, okay. all right. Shout out to you. I love the flair. You, you of the might name. have butchered that one, but that's I cool. might have, but the the love was there. Yeah. The intention was there, and the love was there. Who else we got on here? Laura, Mama Tongue, Ephraim. Excuse me, man. I don't know. That might be some Eritrean <laughs> or something. She she has some ethnicity within her, and all I right. respect that. We're gonna go Sydney D. Okay. We got Jay Wilds. We got Jamie. No last name. Shout out to you. We got Kayla Bryson. Fucking with Kayla Bryson. Shout out to you. We got Kara Matheson. Fucking with Kara Matheson mm -hmm. all day. Amy Johnson. You know what it is, Amy. Yeah. You know what it is. Uh, we got Melanie Barker. Shout out to Melanie Barker. We got Brianna Holland. Shout out to Brianna Holland. Jen S. We got Yammy. We got Hannah Lynn. We got Sierra Ray. We got Andrea Ward. Who else we got on here? We got Corinthia Black. Shout out to you, Corinthia Black. Fist up in the air. Mm -hmm. uh, we got Marlena. No last name. Like we that got, name. Yeah, Marlena? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have an aunt named Marlena. Um, 
We got Tasha Crow. You know, I always look, fuck with the crows, black crows, all those crows. We got Leslie. <laughs> you know, crows, man. I don't know. Ravens. All right. Baltimore. Uh, Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, we got Leslie Alcantar. Shout out to you. That That's it. Ooh. Flair, that's like a Caliente name, spicy. We got Anna Leeper, shout out to you, Anna Leeper. We got Elizabeth Dom, shout out to Elizabeth Dom. We got Megan Debs, shout out to you as well. Um, who else we got on here? We got Certified Hard Boy. I don't know who okay. that is, Whoa. but uh, <laughs> hey man, whatever you do in your personal time, that's your business. Yeah. Fucking with whatever you, whatever he is, he's certified. He is certified. Uh, he is certified. Yeah. Shout out to you, man. Um, we got Hannah Walker on here. First of all, I want to take a quick second. Hannah Walker, shout out to you. Hannah Walker actually did the. Serial and Serial Logo, the new one mm. that's available on Patreon. Yeah, Shout out to, she did a fantastic job. Shout out to Hannah Walker. Everybody go, you know, follow her Instagram and support her. She's an incredible artist, and we appreciate you, Hannah Walker. Who else we got on here? We got Martuska, okay? okay. That is Gardenia's from Martha. We have a much correspondence on Instagram. Diehard supporter. She's always sharing. We got a new episode out. Yeah. Thank you very much for being a supporter. We appreciate you very much. We got Shayna Slinsky, okay? Fucking with you. We got Lindsey Craven. Hello, Lindsay, shout out to you. We got Laura Murphy. We got Triana Kenson. Fucking with that. We got Ambar. No last name. Mm. Not Amber. Ambar. Ambar. Okay. We got Ambar. Shout out to you, Ambar. We got Heather. No last name, but you know, fucking with you. I don't know how to identify you solely, but <laughs> yeah. you know your name. Right. You know, I don't. You know, you know who you no, are. Exactly. No last name. You know, you didn't put a last name on there, and your name's Heather. You know, so maybe she don't have a last name. Maybe you she does know. not even have a last name. That's that's her business. You yeah. know. That is actually, that's it. That's it? That's it. We got through them. Shout, Shout out to out, all of y'all, man. man. We appreciate you very much, man. And the point I was making before we go ahead and take a break, there will be no music, obviously. We just did 65 names through Celebration by Sly and the Family Stone or whoever sing the Cool in the Gang. Yeah. Um, so there will be no music. We'll jump, jump straight into the fucked up shit. But um, if we get to 100 patrons by September 15th, now September 15th is when our, ex- our special deal ends. Right now, if you become a patron on Patreon, you get a free sticker yeah. for joining. Just for joining, you get a free sticker. If we get to 100 patrons, which is our new goal, if we get to 100 patrons by September 15th, I will learn, film, and post <laughs> to our Patreon me doing the WAP dance. Yeah. Okay, You WAP everywhere. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> People have asked me to extend the invitation to you to join. Whoa! This. I didn't. Ex- I didn't. I didn't. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. But people wanted me to ask, man. I'll do it. Don't say you'll do it because if we get to it, I'll which do I it. don't think it'll happen, but if we get to I'll it, do it, you'll do it. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. Oh my God! Breaking news. <laughs> I don't wrong music. What? No, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, Excuse me. Uh, we don't have any. We don't have music for. Oh, we don't. Clap. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Something. No, we. <laughs> No, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's cool. It's cool. I don't have it. W- applause. Oh, Official music. On, yeah, I don't know. I thought I had some some um, some Nas bombs drops or something like that. I don't have any. Uh, officially, Fran is saying if we yeah. get to 100 patrons by September 15th, by September 15th, he will join me in doing the WAP dance and posting it exclusively to our Patreon. That's two for one. Yeah. You get two WAPs for one. Yeah. You know what I mean. You get two WAP performances for the price of one. <laughs> Two wops. You get two. You get you get two wop performances for the price of one. If we get to hundred patrons, you can see me and Fran performing the dance. We will have a good time. Uh, I'm not concerned though. I don't think. I don't think you don't think you'll get to hundred? I'm not concerned. I don't think so either. And that's why I was so confident in yeah. doing it. But now you've upped the stakes, so I don't know now, man. Yeah. You changed the game. People might come. Be, they want. They might want to see that. Maybe. But either way, that is our. That is. Is is the gauntlet has been thrown down. Yeah. So it's up to y'all. You know, if you want to see it, that's that's what it costs. 
Um, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into this fucked up shit. Shout out to the patrons one last time. Yeah. Get on there if you haven't done so by now. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Fran, it is my turn to go first this week. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Arthur Bomer. Okay. Okay. This one is pretty crazy. My sources were The War Report Online and Medium.com. Not to be mistaken for Medium.com. That is where Fran gets his shirts from. <laughs> uh, 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 um, and I will begin. Uh, Arthur Bomer was an African-American man born on the 3rd of March in 1959. He spent most of his life living in Green, Pennsylvania. It seemed like Arthur Bomer was a very troubled man as he had an onslaught of convictions against him that varied from violent to extremely violent. Mm. The first truly horrible crime that Arthur committed was the act of murder at age 19. In the year 1978, he brutally murdered a man named Larry Carrier in the state of Nevada over a parking space outside of his apartment building. Wow. When convicted of the murder, Bomer pleaded guilty. That's a crazy motherfucker right there. Yeah, I mean, I just can't see a parking space argument getting to that level. You know, now what I will say is once it's always a one one loser in the parking space argument. That's just a fact. There's no okay, we both agree to disagree. One of us has to drive off without the parking space. Yeah. So whoever doesn't want to stand down, now you're talking about who's crazier. Because if I'm not leaving and you're not leaving, something's gonna have to make one of us leave here eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and Arthur Bromer decided you will leave uh, this this plane, plane of yeah. existence. You will you will not exist anymore. That's how you leave. Damn. You know, so that's why I always say, man, sometimes you just got to look in a person's eyes, man, and decide to yourself, is this argument worth standing my ground over? Because yeah. you don't know where this person's going. You don't know how how serious is this? You know, did they put their hands on your, on a loved one or are you guys arguing over who was in line first? Yeah. You know, because I want both of those things can lead to murder. I'm not dying over a spot in line. No. You get your iced coffee and leave and whatever. Boom. No harm, no foul. I'm not going to stand my ground over a, a, a place in line. Some people just don't want to walk, man. Yeah. But no, what it is is some people just don't want, like feeling disrespected or True. feeling like they got chumped. True. Pride will get you, you know, pride will yeah. get you every time, man. Sometimes you got to swallow that pride, you know? And it's a bitter taste sometimes when you feel like, oh, this motherfucker just chumped me. You That's know? how I feel when I get cut off. Yeah, no, understandably. I feel that way anytime somebody, <laughs> if I let somebody over and they don't give There's, me the hand. Yeah, I hate that too. You you gotta give me the hand. Cause then I feel like a bitch. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, I wasn't. I did that Curtis. Yeah. I, I wasn't like, oh my God, this Honda Civic is just so powerful. Let me step on my brakes. I said, go ahead, man. You know, you clogging the lane up. Go ahead and get over in front of me. And it's almost like in my mind, they did it and was like, fucking right. Yeah, you, you better, better let me. me. Yeah, you better let me over. Yeah. No, you thank know? you. Yeah. I hate it. Come on, man. Even a honk. Can't stand it. I love sometimes they do a honk. Which is like oh above and beyond, but just a quick little hand, yeah. So I can see it in your mirror. That's all you got to do, man. Just it's just those common courtesies that people should have. Yeah, I like the other day, I was at work and then like they was working on one of our little garage doors, or whatever. So they was blocking this alleyway that people come drive through. Uh huh. So this black guy comes up, and he's waiting. I was like, oh, he's he's trying to get. He wants them to move that truck. He was like, hey man, can you move the truck so I can go? He was like, hey man, we working here. Yeah. So you no. can go another way. He was like. No, I usually go this way though. And the guy was and one of the guy was like, Hey man, just calm the fuck down. And the guy was like, No, man, you calm the fuck down. And then they got into this whole thing and I, I come up, I was like, Hey man, look, if you go down here, it's another X, it's another way you can get to where Good you can go. Hey, but I go this way all the time. Why should I have to go another way when I'm used to going this way? They and I'm like, they working, man. I'm like, I'm out of here. Now I'm cleaning my hands. Yeah, I'm, I tried, I'm I gave you an alternative. Now whatever happens from here, that's on y'all, I'm out. Yeah. So it's like 
with now the times have been where we are now, the tensions are between black and white people are mm-hmm. like super high. Yeah. So like now they're arguing, and this the black guy's like, I'm not going anywhere to y'all move this truck. So we're gonna be like, here a while because we're working. I was like, I'm. I don't know what happened after that because I'm out of it at that point. I was like, Jesus, man, just go the other way. Yeah, it's another way you can go. Yeah, it's <sighs> nah, swallow. Man, it's not worth sometimes it. you got to swallow your pride, man. It's it's, it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes you just you, you bump into the wrong person. Exactly, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, back to the story. Uh, on on the 25th of July in 1989, Arthur Bomer was released on parole after serving just 11 years of the time he was given for the murder of Larry Carrier. I don't know why. What? I don't. I think it was a second degree murder, so that's why he didn't get life in prison. So it was second degree premeditated manslaughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like it was an argument, a fight, and you shot him. You know, so it's not, it wasn't planned. Okay, it wasn't, okay, got it. It wasn't premeditated. It okay. just happened. So premeditated is first degree murder. Yeah, if you plan so a murder, okay, if you plan it, a murder yeah. and you go commit the murder, that's first degree murder every time. Yeah. You know, but this one, argument, you know, fight, I don't know exactly what happened, but he only had to serve 11 years of what I assume was a 25 year sentence. Wow. 25 to life, I would assume, was what he got. Wow. And you would think that after serving time in jail for a murder, you would try to lay as low as possible, not get into any trouble. Yeah. You'd be thinking very much wrong in the case of Arthur Bomer. Uh, Bomer okay, um, he was in reality did nothing but commit atrocities after leaving prison. He was not. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was not. He laying, killed somebody over parking space. I don't see. Yeah, him, like, yeah, that should be taken. That, that should be taken into consideration at his parole board hearing. Like yeah. he killed somebody, but like why? Because these are these are infractions that are going to come upon you on a day to day basis. Right. It's like they didn't put I asked for three sugars in my coffee. They put one in it. And now you don't know what he's capable yeah. of. Okay. So he was breaking all these rules and they were like, OK, well, you got to come back in for another parole hearing yeah. to decide gone. if you're going to go back in. Mm. You know, because if you violate your parole, you go back and you finish out your sentence. Right. He was like, fuck that. Fled the state. And. Uh, under these circumstances, like I said, under the circumstances, anyone who breaks their parole sentence is automatically sentenced to a longer sentence or the same or the rest of the sentence that they originally had uh, without the chance of bail or parole because you broke it. Yeah. I mean, I would do the same if I was in. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it I'm going to make your job your job hard. Yeah. for Sure. Like, I'm fleeing. Yeah. Especially yeah. if I'm already doing this whole bunch of shit and I know I'm going to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone. I already I'm knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm out. I won't be making that court date. Oh, yeah. So um, due to the failure of the judicial judicial system in Nevada um, and across multiple states, because he left and went all over the place, um, Arthur Bomer was able to roam freely and undetected for several years. Wow. In June of 1996, 22 year old George Mason University star lacrosse player Amy Willard was on summer break and back in her hometown of Philadelphia. Mm. On the night of June 19th, she went to Smokey Joe's Tavern to meet some friends. The tavern was located in Wayne, just outside Philadelphia. Amy spent about three hours there and drank less than one beer. Friends would later say she left the bar between 1.30 and 1.40 a.m. Mm-hmm. Only a short time later, at 2.03 a.m., an off-duty para- paramedic spotted her car. The car was found running with the headlights on, the radio playing, and the driver's side door wide open. It was abandoned on the shoulder, on the shoulder of a transition road Leading to leading from Interstate 476 to Route 1. While there was no sign of Amy in the area, blood was found, including blood on the right side of the car and on the guardrail, uh, along with a bloody palm print. The investigators also found tire tracks next to the scene belonging to a Firestone, a Firestone 440 13 inch tire. Mm. 
It's crazy how that stuff come back into play. Like you write all that shit down and yeah. do, doing tire matching and shit like that. Uh, as they brought in the search, they located underwear and tennis shoes at a nearby ramp entrance. They would later be identified as items Amy was wearing that night. During the day, they brought out helicopters, canine dogs, and search volunteers to look for Amy. A witness came forward saying that he had seen Amy's car that night. Uh, later that day, Amy's naked body would be found in a vacant lot of North Philadelphia at, at 16th and Indiana, nearly 20 miles from where the car was found. Damn. Yeah. The rest of her clothing she wore out that night, which was a white sunflower t-shirt, khaki shorts, and white socks, have never been found. An autopsy showed that she had been raped and died from blunt force trauma. Mm. After realizing that the man who said Amy, who said he saw Amy's car only lived five blocks from where her body was found, they thought they had a suspect. Police officers brought him in, or detectives, brought him into the police station for questioning where he cooperated fully. He even gave them consent to search uh, his car, where police found handcuffs and a flashlight carried by police officers. Inside the suspect's home, which he gave them permission to search, or maybe not, but once they found that stuff, it was enough evidence to get a search warrant to search his house. Yeah. Inside his house, they found additional police paraphernalia and magazines that sold standard police equipment. Now, what can you surmise hmm. from all this stuff I just told you, friend, that this dude is involved in? You want to be a cop? Yes, or is impersonating a cop. Yeah. Right? And which is odd to give police officers doing a murder investigation permission to search your car. That's what I'm And that's you what have I'm all this about. weird shit in your car. Yeah. You know, it's like, are you a cop? No. Why well, do you have handcuffs in your car? It's like that scene from Always Sunny, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, the, the high school reunion, and they go out to his car, and he's yeah. like, I'm going to fuck these people up. He's got Rope zip shit. ties and all these. Yeah. My tools. These, these, are my, these are my tools. And they're like, what the fuck? What is this? Yeah. You know, serial killer shit, man. Why do you have rope and zip ties and bleach and shit in your car yeah you know? so so was it was it for him to be like he didn't he didn't think they were actually going to search his car i think that he inserted himself into the investigation because he, he likes to be he wants to be a police involved. officer gotcha. and then they call him down for questioning and, and he probably forgot that st- or he didn't he's so crazy he doesn't even think that it's weird to have that stuff in his car yeah so he didn't even think about that so he's like yeah, i don't i don't have a body or there's no blood in my car yeah but they go search his car and it's like why do you have handcuffs and, and a flashlight in your car Oh, okay, listen. So just in case I run into a burglar on the side of the road, I, I have handcuffs to the citizens arrest. Okay, this is weird. Search warrant. Search yeah. his house. More cop, cop paraphernalia. And he inserted himself into this investigation. And, you know, which is crazy. So <laughs> just comes in. Hey, so what we yeah. got now, guys? Yeah, it's like, uh, what's cool. the situation? What we got? A uh, 187? Yeah. Who are you? Cool. Yeah. I'm Phil. Officer Phil, or no, no, no I'm Phil. I live down the street. Yeah, I uh, just uh, thought you guys might need my assistant or something like that. No, but what's your name again? They took his name down. They're like, we're gonna come back. Yeah. To this. That was weird, you know. So anyway, uh, after looking into the suspect's background, they found that he had previously been charged with impersonating an officer. Mm. It was yeah, shocker. Uh, it was around that time that he had stopped cooperating and obtained a lawyer. He's like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're on the other side of the fence. Yeah, it's like, oh, y'all thought y'all think it's me. Okay, well, I'm done wanting to be a police officer. I will be lawyering up. Don't talk to me anymore. What did you thought this was, <laughs> man? I was just gonna try to give him some clues and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so this is, but this is the key part because again, as I said, he he inserted himself into this investigation. Nobody was talking to him. So after they started looking at him as a suspect, 
He also recanted his story and said he was never on the ramp and never saw Amy's car the night the night of the murder. Wow. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. I was I lied. Yeah. I'm out. A week after this, a local police officer said that he had pulled Amy over, but claimed no state trooper stopped to talk to him about pulling her over. Uh, but he did say he saw an off-duty paramedic parked behind the car. The paramedic that called the police when he saw her car pulled over with the door Wait, who, open. Who saw the car? A uh, an, an off a local police officer oh, okay. is saying All I right. also okay. saw the car. Okay. I was driving by and I saw a paramedic park behind okay. her car. So this is somebody else. This is another police officer. Gotcha. He's saying I was there too, kind of. The paramedic that pulled over and called the police and f- about the abandoned um, police car. He said he never saw or spoke to a police officer that night. Right? Because so oh, I'm, actually let me get into it because I actually wrote down. Uh, authorities then spoke to the paramedic again. And he claimed that there was no local police in the area that night, and he spoke to no officers at all. When the investigators went back to talk to the local cop, he admitted to lying and resigned from the force. Wow. So I don't know why everybody wants to be tied up in this fucking case, man. It's and insane. he was off duty. Yeah, he just lied. He just was like, oh, well, I was there. I talked to that guy. Came uh-huh. back around and like, hey, man, um, he said he never spoke. Oh, you got me. I quit. Wow. <laughs> like, what? Why are people just lying? I'm confused, man. Here we I'll go. Be so confused. Here we go. A third guy. A Pennsylvania state trooper who was off duty that night of the night of Amy's murder also came forward with information. He said the night of June 19th, he saw not just Amy's car, but a squad car and officer parked behind her. He said that he pulled over and spoke to the officer briefly before continuing on his way. Investigators working the case said they were suspicious because they found information that he was in a different location at the time. He claimed to be next to the crime scene, but the state trooper stuck to his story. Mm. Is it like, is this an area of, of uh, like a route to go to work for these? I think this might be one of those. It's outside of Philadelphia. So I think this is one of those, you know, you know, those you ever been riding like you're going to a state, like let's say you're driving to New York and you drive down a strip of road. That's like, Jack in the Box, gas station, gas station, yeah. McDonald's. People live there. Like that's a that's somebody lives in the part between New Jersey and New York or between Baltimore and and yeah. and Philadelphia. But as a visitor, you don't it doesn't seem that way. Yeah, you're just like, I don't know, I need to get gas here. Yeah. I think this is kind of one of those highways okay. that it's just like a highway that gets you to the next place. Mm. But I, it feels like it's maybe not a crazy busy highway. Maybe. I don't really know anything about Philadelphia. Except Cheesesteaks. That's all I know. Captain, you know, I don't know the name of the main place, but I've been there. I just don't know the name of it right now. And where? In Philly. Oh, I don't There's know. like a cheesesteak place, and then the other cheesesteak place is right across the street, and they battle each other. Yeah. It's probably a whole bunch of cheesesteak places. Yeah, but these are like the ones that the were top. on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and oh, all that okay. kind of stuff. And they're like right there next to each other. Delicious? Eh. Okay. I wasn't impressed. I like my cheesesteaks like greasy and just these were too these were too polished. Oh no. I like my falling all over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um so that the last guy I just mentioned, he stuck by his story and <laughs> I don't know why. Are they trying to get promotions? What I don't is, know why. Game, I don't man? I really I don't really know what the reason is. But anyway, at the end of their investigation, the detectives concluded that all three men could be possible suspects. Uh the police impersonator, the off-duty state trooper, and the local police officer. They had all inserted themselves into the investigation without an apparent reason. Her family also stated that Amy would not have just stopped for anyone alone on the road, giving credence to the fact that 
she would pull over for someone of authority. Yeah. So her family saying that kind of put even more spotlight on these three guys who one isn't a cop, but has flashlights and handcuffs. So he probably has a fucking costume. Yeah. You know, a little, yeah. T- tucks his shirt into his pants. Yeah. You know, all you gotta do is tuck your shirt into your pants, have a little badge on. Buy one of old police cars and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you can start creating that, um, that theory in your brain. Yeah. You know, so the three of them were the main suspects. Until on December, in December of 1997, a 19-year-old woman reported an, an attempted carjacking. She said that a man had followed her after she left the club. While she was driving, he rammed into the back of her car okay. and then attempted to get her to pull over. She refused. She drove off but wrote down his license plate number. The registration came back to Arthur Jerome Bomar Jr., age 38. Mm. A quick, search per, uh, a quick search proved that he had been convicted of murder in Nevada in 1978. His rap sheet also included assaults on young women over the years. Uh, Bomar had also been charged with the attempted murder of a woman named Teresa Thompson, but she died of an overdose before the case could go to trial. Mm. And he was released again. So this guy's his luck is insane. Uh, and lastly, he had a rape complaint from a college student in Philadelphia. Now, with a new suspect in mind, the police looked into co- into connecting Bomar to Amy's murder. The night of the mo- the night of the murder, Bomar was in the area. He had been pulled over by police only six blocks from where he had been where the body had been dumped. They wanted to pull him in for questioning, but he was nowhere to be found. Mm. So they had him in the area that night. He's got an, a, a rap sheet that fits the crimes that were committed against Amy. Yeah, and they wanted to go pull him in. Couldn't find him. I'm trying to, f- so the, him ramming her car was what got her to stop. She didn't stop. She didn't But stop. I will get to okay. that part. Cause that, that was like on the highway, right? Dark yeah. rail? Okay. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Well, you speed up, you, you know, get into a rear. It, you, but I mean, and I mean with the guardrail in the area, I mean, it had, was it like some type of highway? Highway is what I was asking. Yeah. You know, it's probably one of those, you know, you have like, it's technically, it's like a, it's like a pathway to a highway. Yeah. Okay. It's like you still can go 60 miles an hour, but it's narrowed down. It's, yeah. You know, it, you know, it's around some woods and things like that. It's not like uh 695 or something yeah. where it's just open seven lane highways or anything like that. It might've this might've been a one lane route. Yeah. But my vision was woods being her being dragged. Out of yeah. The car. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a, uh, like a little shortcut route okay. to get to the main highway. But anyway, um, a few days later, he landed in the authorities' laps while he was trying to break into a woman's apartment. Mm. You know, talk about being caught red-handed. Like, you are suspected of murdering this woman, and they catch you trying to break into a woman's apartment. Yeah. You know, so he didn't really have much defense for himself. Uh, when he was pulled in, they found a set of keys in his pocket. They went to a... Uh, they were keys to a Honda. A search of the vehicle showed the plates belonged to Bomar... But the car was registered to Maria Cabuenos, age 25. She had disappeared three months before his arrest, having last been seen on Route 476. Inside the vehicle, police found dried blood and both bumpers had been uh, had scrape marks on them. Oh, okay. When questioned about the June 19th, 1996. When, I'm sorry. When. Oh, when questioned about June 19th, 1996. Bomar said that he was at a birthday party. His fiance gave a different story, telling police that Bomar had been at Smokey Joe's Tavern. Mm. Bomar's car, a Ford Escort, was finally located and searched for evidence. 
they found the front bumper had marks the kind left from bumping into the front of a, in, from bumping a car in front of it. The tires also matched the impressions left at the scene of Amy's case. Blood located in the car came back as Amy's as well. Also, underneath the vehicle, the oil pan had a distinct mark on it that matched a, bu- a burn that Amy had left on her upper body. Under the car? Yeah, like the, I guess the, you know, hot oil. Maybe she was underneath the car or... Ran over or something? Maybe, something like that. Yeah. I don't really know. But um, the undeniable proof came when, Bomber, when Bomber's DNA matched the semen on Amy's body. Mm-hmm. Police believe that Bummer saw Amy at the bar and followed her out. He drove behind her on Route 476, where they assume he used his same ruse of bumping the back of Amy's car to get her to pull over and, and exchange information and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because both cars show a transfer of, of paint on Amy's car and on his car. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe Amy got, of her, got out of her car willingly to exchange information with the driver, and this is when Bummer attacked her. Mm-hmm. He hit her on the head with a tire iron and then shoved her into his car. He threw out part of her clothes along the way, maybe when he stopped to rape her. And maybe that's why they never found her clothes. Yeah. Um, Because there's a 20-mile stretch between where her car was left and where her body was found. Yeah. So he could have tossed them out at any point, hit, threw them away, discarded them, destroyed them with intention anywhere along the way. Um, With the information they had, with the information they had, there, there was enough to charge Arthur Jerome Bomer Jr. with the murder of Amy Willard. He was convicted and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Currently, Bomer is sitting on death row. He has not been charged with the Maria Cabuenos case, but it is believed she suffered the same fate as Amy. Mm. So this is a case where, again, um, everything we're talking about as far as road rage and all these kind of things, he, his tactic was very, it was a high intellect tactic. You know, and that's scary because you get into a fender bender. And you're like, oh shit! Well, I have to get, get insurance on this. Get exchange. That's why I was figuring how he get how he got her to stop. Yeah, that, makes that was sense. his mo. That yeah. was his motive. He would fake a car accident. Hey, pull over, and then you know that's where he would get you the most vulnerable. You're on the side of a road in the in the middle of the night. It's one forty in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Amy, he gets her to pull over, and she's you know because you want to do the right thing. You exchange information. That's just like instinct to do that yeah you know so that's a very scary tactic now if somebody just rams you though i don't know about that one somebody just comes up y'all on this one lane sure street. but i mean again you're driving you're not paying attention you're listening to music you i mean you know if you're very aware of your surroundings maybe you're watching that this guy's speeding up and rams right into you and you go oh shit that was intentional this guy's attacking me yeah but if you're just driving kind of and not paying attention you just feel somebody hit you you go oh shit i just got in an accident what I don't know if there's no street light or that. That's that's pretty odd. It is odd, but I can see how somebody could fall for yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. somebody. I can see how somebody wouldn't fall for it, but I can see how somebody could fall for yeah. it. Be know? confused, but you still got to You still get. Yeah, you like, like shit. Well, you know, and especially if he's like, "Hey, pull over," and not yeah. being like, "Fucking pull over," like being like, "Hey, I hit you." You know, I gotta pull pull over. I'll give you my information. Yeah. Any kind of thing like that. You know. Yeah, women just stay in the car with your yeah. window cracked. Drive to a gas station. Yeah. Drive to a well lit area. Yeah. Let him follow you, be mad, and when you get the police, go, hey, man, I just wanted to get somewhere where there's people are. Yeah. And anybody who's still mad after that wanted to kill you. Yeah. Or I, crack the window or something. Yeah. Or talk to him through the window. Yeah, exactly. There's a that's a big assumption I just made, but I'm I'm sticking by it. Yeah. If you, a woman, are in a car and a man hits your car and you drive and he has to follow you 
and you get to a welded area because you were in the middle of nowhere and you get to a welded area and you pull over and there's people and he's still mad. And after you go, Hey man, listen, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere. I'm a woman. I didn't feel, if he's still like, no, fuck that. You pull over when you hit somebody. Then that guy is mad. But you hit me. That guy is mad because he missed his opportunity. And he wanted to kill you. Yeah. That's the assumption I'm making. Yeah. But you hit me though. That's different. Either way. If the if they're still mad after you explain all those things, they yeah. it's because you you fucked up their plan. They yeah. were going to kidnap you, sex traffic you, murder you. They're a serial killer. <clears throat> that justifies any kind of fear you might have had. Yeah. If the person's still mad after you go, as you can see, I'm like a small woman. You're a man. I didn't. Or maybe you guys are both women. Your windows are tinted. I couldn't really tell. I just wanted to get somewhere safe. Yeah. If they don't go, oh yeah, I get that. Well, here's my information. You know, I'll call the insurance company. We'll get it all fixed. If it's like, no, fuck that. You pull over. Mm. I had to follow you. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, you wanted me to pull over where there was nobody at. There yeah. was nobody around. Yeah, ain't fooling nobody. Yeah, no, fuck that. Um, but anyway, uh, rest in peace to Amy Miller and rest in peace to uh, uh, Maria Cabuenos. Uh, they believe he's also responsible for that murder. I mean, I was, I, Amy Willard. I'm sorry, I said Miller. Amy Willard and uh, Maria Cabuenos. Um, they believe Arthur Bowman was responsible for Maria Cabuenos' murder as well, but they couldn't prove anything. Mm-hmm. He is currently still sitting on death row. I don't really know where Philadelphia is as far as death penalty goes. I didn't see a, like an execution date. Yeah, but he might just end up spending the rest of his life on death row, mm-hmm. never being executed. But you know, hopefully they don't just go. Well, you served twenty years, so you're out. Yeah, you know, because he got he got out after eleven years on a manslaughter charge. I don't think that happens in this case. And um, so, yeah, that was my affirmative murder. That was the story of Arthur Bomer. And uh, be careful out there, man. There's yeah. a lot of crazy folks out there with all kind of weird tactics. Hey, can you help me put this couch in my car? You go first in the car. Yeah. You you take the back end and go backwards into the car. That's you know? that Ted Bundy stuff. Yeah, any of yeah. that kind of stuff, man. It's okay to just be like, um, no. Yeah. Be rude. Say, it's okay to say no. Be rude. Stay alive, man. Fuck him. No. Resting bitch face is... A weapon, yeah, and I I rec- recommend people use it. It took me a couple years to understand that I had resting bitch face as a man, mm-hmm. but over the years, I've as I've learned uh, women's accounts of things, it's not as it's not as like sexual when people do it to me, but it's it makes me mad how many times a day people go like, "Hey man, what y'all frowning about? Smile." Yeah, well, fuck well, they always look me. mad. I'd be like, oh, I don't "Yeah, know. Don't tell me to smile." Yeah, look at this. Um, <laughs> but women have to deal with that in like a sexual way. Like, hey baby, you know. Yeah. So pretty, you shouldn't have to. It's like, sir, you're 40 years older than me. Leave me alone. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's okay to fucking have a scowl on your face and say no. Don't feel like you have to appease anybody. Yeah. And keep them keys in between your fingers like Wolverine. Yep. Just in case some motherfucker tries you. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back, guys. It's my turn. Um, to do my affirmative murder this week. My story is about Charles Stewart. Charles Stewart. Charles Stewart, um, who is um, a murderer. Okay. So what I'm going to read first, um, this is from a book called Deadly Greed by Joe Sharkey. So I'm going to read this. This is from a website called thelineup.com. Okay. This uh, essentially just sets up the whole night, gives you a visual how very a visual and very descriptive detail of the surroundings, how the night is going um, on this night of the murder. And also um, stories like this that I read. And sometimes I wish I knew the area because this was in Massachusetts. Sure. So 
and say streets and stuff. And uh-huh. I feel like whoever, if one of our listeners live in this area or have been to this area before, yeah. they can hear this and go, I know, I know. exactly where that's at. For I've sure. been there before. And I think situations like that are pretty cool when you hear stories like that. When we've done stories that happen in Baltimore, like we, we know exactly where that's yeah, at. Yeah, you visualize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we go. So the birthing class ended a few minutes early. Chuck and Carol, a classmate noticed that they walked out hand in hand, left by the front doors under the tail granite columns of the hospital's Greek revival vacate into a brisk October night that defines autumn in New England. When they got off the elevator on the lower level of the parking garage, Chuck asked to borrow his wife's keys to drive home. He took the ramp onto Francis Street and turned left toward Bringham Circle. He could have gone right toward Brookline Avenue, which would have been a slightly more direct route to this to to the sterile drive along the Charles River that links with Interstate 93 going north toward Reading. But Chuck, who hated getting lost even more, he hated being late, always made it a point to go home the way he came. So there was nothing unusual in the fact that he went left on Francis toward Huntington Avenue and bring him circle a half block away. Huntington would take them easily enough back to Massachusetts Avenue, and from there Chuck knew the way to Sterile. Left, left on Beacon, a hard right on Charles Gate toward the river. So, with that, he's taking a way that he usually wouldn't take home. Right. Just taking a longer route home. Sure. Nor was there any specially um, extraordinary in Chuck sailing right across Huntington, missing his turn. It was a tricky intersection with cars merging from three directions. Carol, uncomfortably, uncomfortably pregnant mm-hmm. beside him, eager to get home, but always trusting Chuck's ability to make the right decision. Might have been, might have been impatient, but not alarmed. Because everything's a little explainable. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. It's a rough turn. I've been through that. You know. Oh, the yep. lights turned yellow, so it changed my decision. I probably would have made that left if the light was green. Yeah. But I went straight. And the person next to you might go, well, this isn't the way we usually go, but he knows exactly. what he's doing. Yep. Okay. So it's kind of like her antennas are up a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's like, way odd, but like yeah. whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. something, adjustments are being made. Exactly. So crossing over onto Tremont Street, which climbs toward the church that crowns the hill, he seemed to be heading toward Columbus Avenue, which interstates Tremont near the Orange Line's Roxbury Crossing Station. Tremont was too busy to make a U-turn, going up to Columbus and turning left there would have made sense. Downhill from the church in a large pie-shaped wedge between Tremont, Huntington, and the Amtrak right-of-way just to the west of Columbia, the squat brick building of the housing project lay, out of sight from traffic, passing on the main streets. At Terrace Street, a narrow dark thoroughfare um, one block before the lights of the Roxbury Crossing Station at Columbus, Chuck casually flipped on his turn signal and made a left. This turn would definitely have gotten Carol's attention. As Chuck headed slowly down Terrace, the projects loom ahead, just past a block of open fields and dark two-way warehouses. At a deserted intersection where Terrace meets Station Street, Chuck made a right, then a quick left onto Mindaro Street. Now, Carol would have been alarmed. This would obviously, 
This was obviously not the kind of area one ventured into lightly, but it still made sense to explain that he was merely trying to turn around to go back onto Tremont, headed um, in another direction. Sure, because this is her husband, right? It's her husband. So the last thing you're thinking about is, I'm in danger. Yeah. But she is aware. She's alarmed now. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. alarmed now. So across the lots, light shone yellow and bright in the windows of three-story blocks of apartments in the projects. Chuck stopped the car on the left side of Mandero Street with chain-link fences bordering the, the desolate parking lots on either side. He parked in a pool of darkness farthest away from the street lamps and the glow of the parking lot security lights. On the sidewalk, where the weeds poke knee-high through the cracks of soggy pile of junk, used tires, old mattresses, chewed through by rats, rusted mufflers, even a discarded refrigerator, attested to the seclusion. It was a spot people found convenient for quietly discarded possessions that they no longer had a place for in their lives. Mm. Yeah, so now he's in an area where it's just junk. Yeah. It's isolated. And it's just no, it's just, and nobody's in that area. So truck rolled down his window. Some city tough, some city tough crickets were still chirping in the stubby weeds despite the night's chill. From the projects across the field, a boombox thumped out of a pile driver, out a, out a pile driver rhythm, gangster rap, its pitch rising and then falling and finally fading away with the stride of an unseen stroller. Chuck reached into his gym bag in the back seat and gazed for the last time in the wide brown eyes of his wife, who now was frightened. Being that close to her face, he may have kissed her, perhaps for reassurance, maybe as a divisionary tactic. Slowly, he reached back into his gym bag and brought the gun up behind her head. From the project, muffled voices and women's sharp laugh with the wump of a scream door banging shut and his creaky spring drifted through the night as as if a dark, um, as over a dark and quiet lake. Two quick gunshots echoed from the curbside on Mandero Street. Mm. The first point-blank range smashed in Curl's skull, high on her jaw, on the left side of her face. She gasped as the force of her blast slammed her shoulders against the passenger door. Mm. Then, with gunpowder searing his nostrils, Chuck carefully positioned the revolver over his right shoulder and deliberately fired a second shot into the roof of the car. Oh, wow. Just above the visor of the driver's side. So you kind of see where this is, where this is heading. Yeah. His, his plan. Mm-hmm. So beside him, Carol struggled frantically to, struck, to suck air into her lungs. She clawed at him in desperation, her brain unable to grasp the horror her eyes had just seen. She struggled desperately, lunging toward him. He pushed her away, furious now. She was supposed to be dead, God damn it. This wasn't how it was supposed to happen. She should be dead and still. But Carol tried to fight her way back to life, struggling to, to pound against him and make him not make it true. Chuck was sweating. He tried to hold her back, horrified at her gasp. He wished he had an extra bullet to solve the problem. But there he only but there had only been three stored in a gun and Kaka's safe. Kakas is uh, a place he worked. It'll come up later on. Okay. He ended. He needed the remaining one for himself. So he had three bullets. One shot, to shoot her, shot her in the face. One to shot shoot in the one car. Through the roof of the car. And one for him. Shoot himself in the leg or something. Yep. He had never. It had never occurred to him that three bullets would be would not be enough. Besides, he would not have risked attracting attention buying ammunition in Massachusetts. 
even if he knew where to, which he did not. Soon, however, the fight went on, went out of his wife. She slumped against her, she slumped against her shoulder belt, breathing shallowly. The boombox throbbed through the darkness. Chuck took a deep, shaky breath and gazed down at his wife. She was still alive. Mm. Holding up the back of his wrist into what little light was reaching the car from the street lamp, he checked the time. It was 20 minutes to 9. Matthew, who was his brother, had promised to be there without a fail at 10. Oh, wow. Chuck considered his kid, his kid brother adult. Numbnuts was the term that he used. But he had made it clear that there would be no excuses for showing up late or worse, not showing up at all. He exhaled, then breathing deeply again. Remember that Carol's keys were in the ignition. She was gasping faintly. She wasn't dead, but he guessed that she wasn't able to say anything either. Looking around nervously, he saw that the sidewalk and streets remained empty. No one had been there enough to come and investigate the gunshots. Not that anyone in the neighborhood would be idiotic idiotic enough to head toward the familiar crack of the gun. <laughs> that reminds me of that Cedric Dennett joke where it's like, black people don't know. If you see one black person running, yeah. you just run, you'll ask <laughs> you questions run, yeah. at the, when you get to the destination where everybody right. stops running. He's right. like, I'm not running towards gunshots. Right, you know, right. So. Uh, so warily, he removed Carol's keys from the ignition, got out of the car, tossing them over the fence into the field where they would be found days later by police. Then he dug his own keys out of his pocket and got back into the Toyota. When he reached over and took his wife's little hand, it was cold. He felt the full weight of her nearly dead arm. He held, he held fast, avoiding her eyes, and laboriously twisted her rings off. Her fingers swollen from pregnancy. First, he removed um, these diamonds that she had on her ring. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So... He's making it look like somebody stole her car with her in it and he's making it look like a random attack. So what was the bullet for him for? I thought he was going to make it a look random, like they got a robbed. Random, a random shooting attack. That's what the bullet, it comes up. Okay, all right, yeah, okay. Because yeah. his brother's coming to pick him up and then he leaves her in the car? That's what, that was the plan. Got it. Yeah. Okay, okay, I think, I, okay, yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so he removed her, um, a one and a quarter carat diamond engagement ring that he given her on Christmas Eve so many years ago. Mm -hmm. When he got them off her fingers, he dropped the rings into a blue and tan Gucci handbag that lay partly open near the car phone and console between them. Then he placed the gun in and snapped it shut. So though the day had been sunny and mild, the night was now cold in the low 40s, but Chuck didn't roll up his window. He needed the brace, he needed the brace of the air for the next part. After glancing around again to make sure no one was loitering nearby, he steadied himself when he, with a deep breath, then took the revolver and held it gingerly in his hands for a second, summering the coverage, the carriage, I'm sorry. Teeth clenched, his mouth tight in a grimace, barely aware now of the sound of Carol's attempts to pour air into her lungs. So she's still fighting for her life. Her and this baby. Yeah. Still fighting for their life. So he pulled his right elbow back between between the, um, the, the bucket seats and twisted his right hand back awkwardly to position the barrel of the gun at the flesh of his waist. Mm. So he's trying to do it behind the, the seat. Yeah, oh, okay, got it. So a few inches above his right, his right buttock, he had made it to the point to learn that a bullet would make an ugly wound, but if aimed straight through the side of the belly, 
it would exit without tearing through anything more vital than a layer of fat. Jesus Christ. It would just be nasty and painful enough, though, but it would take balls to do it. So he had this all planned out, planned out where he needs to shoot himself so he's not, so he won't potentially kill himself. Mm-hmm. But Chuck didn't have the balls to do it. What obviously happened next between him and his wife, who refused to die easily. What he had clearly planned to be a convincing, painful, but not life-threatening bullet wound in the flesh of his belly instead became a very grave one who turned, became very grave one when he turned the gun on himself. In her desperation to save herself and and the baby, Curl seems to have summoned a last burst of primal physical strength that seriously complicated the killer's plan to to present himself as a victim of a horrific random shooting. Though it definitely will make him more persuasive, it will make a more persuasive one. There being no other reasonable explanation of the severity of Chuck's self-inflicted wound, deducted reasoning saying that um, it was occurred next in the front seat of the dark car. So Chuck closed his eyes and held his hand still in an awkward angle. But just as he went to pull the trigger, something went terribly wrong. Curl seemed to lunge toward him. And the force of her body pushed his elbow forward, causing his hand to shift positions as he fired. Instead of exiting neatly from the back to front as his plan was, mm-hmm. it tore through his intestines. Jesus. With the sickening sensation, large deep in his abdomen. Only the fact that the ammunition was so old prevented it from continuing on its path and severing his spinal cord. Mm. Chuck knew immediately that he had shot himself in the wrong place. He was overwhelmed with pain, terrified that he was about to die. Try to kill your wife and your unborn child. Yeah. He realized that the the blood pooling um, cold against his crotch was his own. Despite his fear, he was also furious at his wife for causing him to do that. Causing his wife. He was furious at his wife for causing him to do such a thing. For a few excruciating seconds, he lay back with his mouth open as if to vent the pain and waited for the cold darkness to fall over. So that was from the book. Um, if you guys wanted to go and read that book, it's called Deadly Greed. But that was just the setup of that scene and how this plan that he tried to execute went wrong. Yeah. Because his wife was still fighting for her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in 1989, Stuart was serving as a general manager of for Edward F. Cackus and Sons, which is like a store for furs. They sell fur jackets and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was a tax attorney and a pregnant, pregnant, um, him and his wife was pregnant with their first child. Mm -hmm. So on October 23rd, the couple was driving through the Roxbury neighborhood after attending childbirth classes at Brigham and Women's Hospital. According to Seward's subsequent statement, a black gunman with a raspy voice forced his way into their car at a stoplight, ordered them to drive to a nearby um, Mission Hill robbed them, then shoot Charles in the stomach and curl in the head. Stewart then drove away and called 911 on his car phone. This was how he pictured, this is the story. This is how he wanted, wanted it to this go. This is how he wanted it to go. Now, are these a, this is a white couple? This is a white couple. Okay. But he, he said that this A black this dude was robbing Boston, Massachusetts, yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the night of the crime, the CBS um, reality TV station series Rescue 911 was riding with Boston emergency medical service services personnel, the crew took a dramatic footage of the couple being extricated from the car. 
Carl was seen. Carol was can be seen in profile of her pregnancy. Her pregnancy prominent being whelmed to the ambulance. Other footage include Charles Stewart straining to speak with ambulance workers and graphic scene of his rushed entry to the hospital's emergency room. Carol Stewart died just hours after the shooting. Mm. She possibly could have survived that, you know, if if things went differently and she had help earlier. Yeah, for sure. Um, so she died approximately at 3 a.m. on October 24th. Her funeral took place four days later at St. James Church in her native Medford. Shortly before her, di- her death, doctors delivered her baby by C-section. Wow. Yep, two months premature. Um, so baptized in the, intensive, in the intensive care unit, the child was given the name Christopher, according to Charles and Carol um, prior wishes. So Christopher has suffered trauma and oxygen, oxygen deprivation during the shooting and died 17 days later. Mm. A private funeral was, was held for Christopher on November 20th in 1989. Both Carol and Christopher are buried under Carol's mating name. So Boston police searched the suspect suspect based on Stewart's description of the assailant, which could be any. Yeah, the black guy, <laughs> any person. Mm-hmm. So the Washington Post described the situation that the city's anger seems um, inexhaustible. That may be because it is impossible to not feel um, sullied by this by the Stewart case. Either one was dubbed. I'm sorry, was duped by a fabrication with racist overtones mm-hmm. or one was impotent as police focused their inv- investigation on secession of an innocent black man. Meanwhile, Stewart himself was hospitalized for six weeks. The severity of his injuries required two operations and Stewart surgeon did not suspect that the, that the nearly fatal wounds would was self-inflicted. Police found a young man named William Willie Bennett who fit Stewart's description on November 28th. Stewart what was, identified what was his description. Yep. Stewart identified Ben as his attacker in a lineup. What was that his is, description though? Just black? Just a black guy probably with a raspy voice and a black hoodie or something like that. But for them to go, okay. Oh, we found one. And and then go search or pull over any random black guy they see, and then for him to go, that's him right there. And like lying. <laughs> what? Just a lot straight up lying. Yeah, man. It's Yeah, like, you found him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, so it's like number three. Why can't we read this? And I and I I think I've heard a story like this before. I've heard a ton of stories. Yeah, so it's like why why isn't the same for white people for them to go? I got robbed, or I know this is a fucked up situation, is a lie, uh-huh. but still for somebody to go, I got robbed by a white guy. It was just a white guy with a beard and a hoodie or a hat, but they're not going around just rounding up any white guy they see with a beard and a hat on. It's well, like, I don't know that that's true. True. Right? True. I don't know that that's true. But I, how will we know if we don't I, hear but the stories? I, but I, I, I don't know. The, the reason that that's easy to do is, be, is because of the stigmas around black people, right? Yeah, true. So it's easy to pin your, you know, your self-inflicted crime, your whatever, your uh, insurance scam on the mythical black super predator. Yeah. Where, you know... If somebody, I don't know how often a black person is in the position to be lying and creating up a fabricating That's a true. story yeah. to get insurance money or whatever, and they go, a white guy came in here. And but, however, one example that we do have is Juicy Smollett. Yeah, you know. So that's a very accurate description of what you're describing, but that was a national news story. Nobody believed it. It was in it was this crazy thing that all these celebrities jumped on, and it turned out it was a fabrication, right? Yeah. So, um, but there's been a many a time where 
the fabrication done against young black people, young black men spe- specifically, there is no uh the news comes back around and goes, he lied. And oh my God, vindicate all black people. This is this, this, this guy, people are going around lying about stuff. Yeah. Jesse Smollett got embarrassed into oblivion. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't exist anymore as far as having a career. That's crazy. And he lied. He said a bunch of nationalist people in red MAGA hats fucking smashed his subway sandwich and beat him up in the middle of the streets in Chicago. That, that was, he lied about a, a white assailant. Yeah. You know, so it, it, that's one case where I know it happened, but I don't know how common it is for black people to be like, oh, yeah, I got like jumped by a white guy, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't happen. It, it, it does happen. But yeah. it's definitely more common for a, a white person to to say it's just easier to go. Oh, yeah, it was a black a black person did it. Yeah. You know, it, it just it's just easy. It's just the easy person to pin it on. Um, so the case against Bennett abruptly collapsed on January 3rd, 1990, when Charles Stewart's brother, Matthew, identified Charles as Carol's killer. Mm, Matthew, water, huh? yep, Matthew admitted that he had driven to meet Stewart that night to help him commit what he had been told was to be an insurance fraud. Upon arrival, Matthew said that he had seen that Carol had been shot and that his brother had shot himself to make it, to make it appear as a carjacking. Matthew took the gun and the bag of valuables, including the couple's wedding rings and threw them off the Pine River Bridge in Revere. Some of the items, included the gun, was later recovered. As Stewart had blamed the incident on an African, African-American male, and the information provided by his brother led the police to conclude this was not true, mm-hmm. racial tensions were heightened in the Boston for a time. Yeah. Boston police officers conducted much of their manhunt, manhunt by, for the alleged suspect using indis- indiscriminate Stop and f- stop and frisk tactics tactics on young African American men, worsening tensions and creating an atmosphere some residents um compared to a war zone. Yeah, stuff's been happening for a long time. Yeah, the point is that I was making about when you said why doesn't this happen to what? It's like I don't know that it doesn't, but the result isn't this. Yeah, the result isn't they're just get up against the wall, cracker. You know, it's like black police officers out there throwing white dudes up against the wall. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing, man? It's like, you fit the description. Spread them. And then yeah. they bring you in. and You you know what I mean? There might be a lineup that they pull up of white criminals where they go, we have a, we have, we have a list of white guys who are bald with beards who are in our database. Yeah. We'll go round them up specifically. Yeah. They aren't just going around rounding up but bald white dudes. But that's what I mean, dudes. though. Out yeah, in the street yeah. and just getting random people. Yeah. So the, the tension that that creates... In the reverse situation, it would be non-existent. Yeah, because they would just be looking for specific people that they know are known criminals, yeah. as opposed to. But that's my point. There's a black dude, over right? There. Exactly. Yeah. So it, I'm not saying it, but my what, what? But what you said was, how come it doesn't happen? And then it, it might. I don't but know I'm, that it doesn't happen. Yeah, it just doesn't happen the same way. The reason why I said, how do we know it doesn't happen? Because we don't, we not, we don't hear it. I don't. Yeah, sure. It sure, doesn't yeah. come up in the stories that we do. Sure. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. That's yeah, yeah. why I said that. Why, you know, why doesn't it happen? I got you. Yeah. Uh, so police later that Stewart had been upset at the prospect of becoming a father. Wow. He didn't want to be a he dad? He didn't want to be a dad. Wow. Um, so particularly, he worried that his wife would not go back to work and their financial status would be d- diminished. Wow. So Stewart had also started some sort of relationship with Deborah Allen, an employee at Cacus and Sons, though Allen denied any romantic involvement. Sure. Yeah. The Boston Globe reported that a 480000 $480,000 check was issued to Charles Stewart in the payment for life insurance policy on Damn. his wife. 
but no such such check was ever found. The television show Cold Blooded reported that Cold Blooded reported and confirmed that Charles received a hundred thousand dollar life insurance check, which he cashed just after being discharged from the hospital. Immediately. Immediately. And the store also bought a new Nissan Maxima for sixty thousand dollars in cash. He what? He bought a new car. A Nissan 60, Maxima? Yeah. For sixteen thousand dollars in cash. I guess, yeah. Um, my my whole thing is this sounds so much like the the Chris Watts story for one where you don't want to be yeah, yeah. in this situation anymore, so you already got your. So I I fully believe he had another situation. Oh, she, up. Had a new she girl. just didn't want to be like I don't want to be. No, we didn't have any of them. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot. I, but she definitely <laughs> was like, oh yeah, you should run away and yeah. we'll, we'll start our own family. And this notion that you can just get rid of that, you know, just a restart we, button. You know, like we, that's we've, not we've how done a couple stories of that, you know, of. Oh, I'm gonna just kill my wife and my kid, like and get a fresh start. Yeah, that's nuts to me. That's really is crazy to me. Yeah. So on January fourth, nineteen ninety, hours after his brother Matthew revealed the truth to the police, Charles met with his lawyer. Shortly afterwards, Stewart's car was found abandoned on the Tobin Bridge in Chelsea. A note was found in Stewart's car stating that he was beaten by the new acquisitions. I mean, accusations and oh. was and was sapped of his strength. What? Stewart's body was found in the Mystic River the next day. Wow. Investigators later discovered that Stewart had previously expressed a desire to kill his wife. After after Stewart's suicide, several relatives and friends reported that well before the October shooting, Stewart had suggested killing his wife. And several of Stewart's three brothers and sisters had known about his involvement in the killing before Matthew Stewart went to the police on January 3rd. How do you casually mention that around your family? And they, no and, they, and they think you're serious, but they don't pay any attention to it? Yeah. That's cr- that's wild. Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, like, man, she gets on my nerves sometimes. I could just strangle her. You yeah. know, you make little jokes or something like that. But if he's like, I think I'm going to kill my wife. Yeah. And they go, um, all right. Yeah. Well. I think he only went to Matthew because Matthew probably was the only one that kept his mouth shut. And he was a he was a numb nut, he called him. So he sure. was just. He'll do what sure. I tell him to do. He's my little brother. Yeah. But he didn't. He <laughs> no. told, right? Yeah, he told. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good. It's good that he did that. So in 1991, Matthew Stewart was indict, indicted uh, for the op, that obstruction of justice and insurance fraud for his role in covering up the crime. An associate of Matthew, John McMahon, was also indicted as an accessory to murder. Stewart pleaded guilty in 1992 and was sentenced to three to five years in prison. He was released on parole in 1997, but was later rearrested for cocaine trafficking. On September 3rd, 2011, Matthew Stewart was found dead from an apparent drug overdose and heading and heading home um, in a homeless shelter in Cambridge. Damn. Um, so that was the story of the Charles Stewart um, killing and the reason Murder, why I did this, suicide. Yeah, the reason why I did the story is because the fact that they can you do this for selfish they do this for selfish reasons mm-hmm. only because they don't want a family or yeah. they don't want to be a father and they want. Another, I heard another theory that he wanted this money because he wanted to open up a restaurant. Was that's a reason. crazy way to start a restaurant? Yeah. Um, so you were about financially, you won't be able to hold your own as a man because your wife gonna be taking care of your child. That's wild. And then for you to do that selfishly, and then to bring in some random, this could have went any other way for this. Whoever Willie, one of these Willie, black people. Yeah, Willie, the guy, Willie um, Williamson. Or yeah, could have been charged for this. This could have went, he could have been charged for this. Yeah, he could have Done years. And we've 
brought up these stories that people are um, falsely accused of these crimes, mm-hmm. and he could have ruined somebody's life. Outside, of, outside randomly. of ended up in prison, he could have gotten out of prison, and then somebody that hadn't gotten the memo that Charles is the one that actually killed this person, and they they see this guy on the street because I'm sure there was news stories and they had his face. And people knew who the guy was that they had in custody and suspected of kill the black dude that they had in custody and suspected of killing this woman. Yeah. He gets out and gets attacked by some crazy mob of people who are like, that's the black dude that killed that white woman. In Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. <laughs> you know? But overall, for me, I think this is like the most pro-abortion story I've ever heard, because really what it is is now I'm not, you know, if, if, if the woman involved, what was her name again? I'm sorry. Carol. If Carol didn't want to get an abortion, that's her decision. But I feel like because they were Catholic, they they don't believe in getting abortion, right? So, but because this dude wasn't comfortable saying that to his wife, saying, like, I'm not ready to have a kid. I don't think we should have a kid right now. And abortion wasn't an option. The next decision for him was everybody dies. Yeah. You know, as opposed to saying, hey, listen, financially, we just can't really afford to have a kid right now. And it's not a smart decision for us to do. I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the comfort or the ability to have that conversation with his wife because abortion was not an option based on their faith. Yeah. And because of that, his next brilliant decision was, well, I can't afford to do this and this is going to mess up my life and my plans. You know, I want to open up that taco stand. Yeah. Um, everybody has to die and I get a fresh start with my girlfriend. Yeah. Because he didn't have the balls to demand up and then take your responsibility like he's supposed to as a man, a father yeah. and, a, and a husband. But like I was saying... He doing this and bringing some random. I don't like he bringing some random black guy, whoever it could have been, sure. drag into this is like what? he's not. He has no part of this story, and you can ruin somebody's life because you want to open up cheesesteak shop or whatever the hell you want to open up. Yeah, like that's just being just hearing that and us being black. This could have happened to any one of us. It could still happen to any one of us. Absolutely, and that's I, that's super terrifying. Yeah. He knew that was going to be the easiest part of his plan. Yeah. In fact, that really was the easiest yeah. part of his plan. <laughs> it it literally was the only flaw that happened was that his wife survived for a little bit and messed up his, his situation. But they found a black guy, mm-hmm. brought him in to identify him, identified the guy and put him in jail. The case fell apart, be, not because of that part. It, yeah. That was the easiest part of his plan. And he knew that, you know, because he knew... People hear black crime, yeah. boom, connect the dots, easy. I'm on board. Yeah, that's good. You know, but we gotta be more. We gotta ask for more. We can't just be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, that little headline I saw, it said black cop, whatever, boom, shot this person. I'm on board. That happened. Like we gotta just dig a little deeper. Yeah. Before we start putting people on shirts, calling for people to be killed and, and, and uh, executed by police officers, calling for people to be lethal injection. We need to dig deep. We need to get the full story, you know. And as somebody, I, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what happens with this Malia Bass case. Um, I don't know if her mother and her boyfriend killed this little girl, but that's the way it looks. So I've been on the side of that and I'm perfectly ready to. To say if I'm wrong and they find some crazy child killer, child trafficker that did this, I will retract everything that I've said and I will fully apologize to those people because that's not right. It's just that's the way it looks right now. But I might be a victim of jumping onto a a, a train of what perception is. Mm-hmm. 
So my whole point is just don't don't follow perception, man. Like do your own research and come to your own conclusions when possible and just you know, that that will make the world so much better that much faster. If you stop spreading mis- misinformation, stop jumping to conclusions and just really understand what's happening before you speak with such confidence. And that's kind of all I got to say on that. But rest in peace to that young lady, Carol, and fuck that guy. And the baby, yeah. And the baby, and fuck that guy, Charles, man. That was a fucked up thing that he did. Yep. But anyway, man, let's go ahead and jump into these good vibes so we can get up out of here. Welcome to a good vibe segment. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because we get to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about some good stuff. It could be anything in our lives that's going on. Just some good news. Um, but I think we also desperately need in 2020, uh, we need some good news. That's, here's something good that's going to run around the world. Than any negative news that we constantly hear every day in our everyday life. Absolutely. So seniors who are socially distancing to stay healthy during the pandemic are now gaining much needed companionship thanks to ultra loud, easy to use devices that connect them directly to loved ones. The Dreamweaver Foundation has provided 300 free Facebook portals to seniors and nursing care homes in Nebraska and Iowa. And the grateful reactions have ranged from tears of joy to an overwhelming sense of relief. Mm. Most seniors have received a portal, a portal, um, we're connected to loved ones which with a clear picture and sound for the first time in months. The 80-year-old Omaha-based nonprofit usually grants wishes to seniors like like the hot air balloon rides or race car diving. I mean, what? Race car driving. <laughs> but that all stopped when COVID-19 hit. We still wanted to serve seniors in a special way, said Cherry Mitzney. Um, the Dreamweaver Foundation's executive director. Many family, many families have been resorting to window visits or calls on smartphones, which can both be expensive and difficult for seniors to operate. With a portal, the buttons are super large, so it's easy, so it's very easy to touch and use. Mm-hmm. It has a big subwoofer speaker in the back, so the sound is much, is much better for someone who is hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. Calls can be made seamlessly to and from smartphones and tablets. So since seniors began using them, Dreamweavers have been overwhelmed with requests for more, so they launched a fundraising campaign to purchase more of the portals, help them deliver families connect, help them deliver family connections at dreamweaver, dreamweaver.org and watch the local news um, and coverage. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, uh, man, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, a lot of seniors are not going out like my grandma, just like... Got a chance to go out to get her hair done, like maybe like a month ago, and was like, "I'm so glad to be out of the house." And it's yeah. like, it's crazy it's rough. times, yeah. man. You know, um, senior citizens already get forgotten about by family members just just in general. Yeah, but now in a time like this, even if you are very, you know, do very a very good job of keeping up with your grandparents or whatever, you can't really go visit them right now. Yeah, so a phone call is nice, but some human contact is always necessary. It's always nice to hug your family and all yeah. these kind of things. And this is like, it's good that something is being done. 
I also think it's funny because I remember when uh, cell phones started to become a thing and they had like old people cell phones. Yeah. Where it'd be like, the call button is a big green button. It's only three buttons on the phone. Call, green, big green button, big red button. And then all the names. Yeah. Yeah. All the, every name is a contact and it's big. Yeah. Call Debbie. Call Frank. Yeah. It's like, it's simple. It does nothing else but that, you know? So taking that and putting it into FaceTime is really smart yeah. and really cool because that's the whole thing with yeah. elderly Make people. It's like, how does this work? Yeah. You know, I tried to call you on the FaceTime and leave you, you know, you know, so they took the confusion out of it and that's yeah. beautiful. My story is also about the adjustments being made during times like this and it's about a, a bride and groom who didn't just donate food to the homeless uh, on their wedding day, but they served it up to the people as well. On right? their wedding day? On their wedding day. Mm. In tuxedo, in gown, completely selfless move that's different now there's also photos we've spoken about how i feel about that but whatever you guys it's gonna be photos at a wedding regardless yeah so you know i'm not saying they did it for the clout anyway so wedding reception one-on-one a celebratory toast is made meals are served the cake is cut the bride and groom share their first dance as a married couple soon to be joined by anyone who feels like kicking up their heels as the event draws to a close the bride tosses her bouquet and the couple had now they also left out um, the wedding I went to, they did the take off the garter. Yeah. I didn't know the guys throw that. Yeah. I never seen that part. They usually just take the garter off and say, like, I got it. Ha ha. In my pocket. Yeah. They then threw that like the bouquet, but like guy bouquet. Like whoever gets oh, it. Yeah, I don't know, dude, catching my yeah. girl's inner leg. Yeah. Scrunchy or whatever that no, thing. I don't know what that is. Like yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't like that, but whatever, you know? Um, this, but however, all these kind of common things, these rules have changed during COVID-19. Um, this past July, when Tyler and Melanie Papayanya, oops, ooh, mm. Papanya of Parma, Ohio, decided to opt out of their plans for traditional nuptials in light of coronavirus concerns, they came up with a creative alternative that was truly inspired. The top, oh, this is a tough one. It's T-A-P-A-J-N-A-S. Tapajnas. The Tapajnas contacted if I'm if I'm butchering this I'm sorry. The Tapajnas contacted their caterer Betty's Bomb Ass Burgers. But <laughs> I love that. That's a, that is a great name for a, a, a caterer in a restaurant. Uh, but rather than looking to looking for a refund, they asked owner Lena Brown. Her name's not Betty. All right, okay. They asked owner <laughs> Lena Brown if it would be possible to take the money from their reception and turn it into meals at a local homeless shelter instead. Having already contacted Laura's Home, a local shelter for homeless women and children, with an eye towards making a contribution, the couple left Brown to coordinate a kind, a kid-friendly cafeteria-style menu with the Laura's Home kitchen manager. Their only request? They wanted to help serve the food themselves on their wedding day. Mm. After exchanging vows in an intimate August 15th ceremony attended by family and close friends, the couple, still in their wedding gear, headed to Laura's home. The bride swapped her veil for a hairnet. The groom wore one as well. Both suited up in face masks and food service gloves, then stepped behind the cafeteria counter to help dish up the kind of heartwarming meals that gave a whole new meaning to service with a smile. Mm. Uh, It's not unusual for us to have meal donations at our facilities, uh, Rich Trickle, CEO of the mission of the city mission, which oversees operations at Laura's home, told the uh, told today news uh what made it completely special is that from their wedding ceremony melanie in her beautiful gown and tyler in his tux put on a hairnet and gloves and served the guests i mean who does that it's an unbelievable act of generosity and compassion 
uh, Tapajna, who's who says she and her husband have been making charitable donations as a couple since first meeting at a friend's wedding in 2016, was happy to re- to report their catering budget turned out to be substantial enough to feed shelter residents for several days. So they had just had extra food. Is that what it was? Well, they had already paid. They, I guess, they had planned a pretty big wedding. And okay. And they called this caterer and said, "We don't want to refund the money, but in, in, we want to take the money that we paid for the amount of food for our wedding and Get change the menu. So instead of having, let's say, they were having salmon and filet mignon and all uh-huh. this kind of stuff." I don't know if they were getting that from Betty's bomb ass burgers, but let's just say, yeah, they go, okay, how about we break it down to like mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and whatever to feed more people with the money we already gave you. We yeah. want to stretch it out. Yeah. Make it a little more affordable food. So we have more food and give it to more people. Yeah. So they just stretch the budget, which is beautiful. They could have just been like, we want our 10 grand back. Yeah. Catering a wedding is expensive as shit. Right. Um, but like I said, they stretched it. They made it a kid-friendly me- menu. They got a picture of this little girl right here. She's got a Capri Sun. Looks like some macaroni oh, wow. on her She's plate. She's too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a hungry kid, man. Yeah. So she, they, fed, they, fed, they fed a lot of hungry kids that day and for several days afterwards. So I want to give a shout-out to these two these two beautiful souls. Um, their names are Tyler and Melanie Tapajnas. Um, shout out to them and uh, shout out to everybody that's just adapting during these crazy times, man. It's wild times. And I just love people seeing people switch the gear up. Yeah. You know, I love when I see friends like, oh, I sew masks now. Yeah. It's bringing the hustle out of people. Yeah. You know, get his money. Exactly, man. Um, so shout out to everybody that's adapting well during these times and prayers to anybody who isn't. I understand this adjustment. I already told you when this shit first started, I mean. I think it's pretty official. The toll booth worker job is just, that's, that's not a job anymore. Yeah. That just doesn't exist anymore. So if you're currently on unemployment for that job, I mean, you should just look for another profession. I don't think they're going to go back to giving, having people be there anymore. No, and, but that's just, the case for a lot of, that's the case for a lot of things now, you know? Yeah. There's just a lot of industries, just CEOs and companies realize, oh, we don't need that person yeah. anymore. And McDonald's, they got machines. Just boop, 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 and then Yeah. So that's a cashier, mean? you know? So Especially yeah. with everybody having cards most of the time. Yeah, man. But prayers to those people and shout out to anybody that's just really finding that has found their niche during these times. I know there's a lot of people that you know, um, they go, Oh, I lost my job, so I'm gonna go pursue my dreams now. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things like that happening. So and so that's something positive to think about. And uh yeah, man. Don't go to LA though. Don't go to L.A. Don't go to pursue your dreams. Don't just go to run off. Oh, yeah. Don't be like, I'm dropping everything. I'm going to become an actor. Yeah. You, know, you know, you know. how about you try the YouTube thing and see if people like that and, you know, just really try your chops. There's so many ways to try your chops before you go all out. Yeah. Well, if you want to be a, like a Broadway actor. Social media. Social media. Yeah. You make your own Broadway plays. Do them on Instagram. Um, yeah. That's all I got, man. Yeah. Um, like I said, shout out to anybody who wants to, you know, who has joined or is thinking of joining the Patreon. There's absolutely content. Will be exclusive content available available to everybody on there go check out lovecraft country the show is getting nuts did you see due date due date yeah robert downey jr yeah with zach galifianakis and robert downey jr is that the guy from uh, um yeah man it's the guy from hangover, hangover. Yeah. that's him that's a that's a movie's old yeah it's a good movie but <laughs> did I you just it was, saw it i thought it was him but i wasn't sure if it was him yeah zach galifianakis man he goes hey you better check yourself it's hilarious before you wreck yourself that's a great it's movie hilarious, man. yeah yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I saw Due Date. It's a great movie. Uh, go Am check out. Has that been out? Yeah, it's been out for a long time. Oh, shit. Uh, go check out Due Date, though. It's a great film. Fran recommends it. And so we can't do Due Date on Fran on film. Uh, go check out Due Date. Great film. And check out Lovecraft Country. And, um, you know, with that being said, listen, man, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.